When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Corr. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Graham Young and Ross Pilcher. Guys, how are you both? Very well. Very well, Daniel. Don't all jump at once? <laughs> good, thanks, mate. Uh, it's, it's good to have you, Ross, uh, involved in this, the Celtic podcast. You've been you've been transferred in for this week and uh, you've got a lot, a lot to live up to, so pressure's on. I have uh, a big debut on the, on the Celtic podcast. <laughs> Um, there's not been there's not been any midweek games for Celtic this week, Graham. Um, but still plenty to talk about. Um, the one area that I thought I'd maybe start with uh, was Callum McGregor. Um, obviously, in the last game, he racked up his 400th appearance for Celtic. Um, Ange Postecoglou had some interesting um, comments to say about him this week, talking about how there's definitely con- you know interest in him regularly. Um, and he said these quotes were from the very top level. Um, I do think it's quite interesting that Celtic haven't had more of a fight in their hands to, to keep hold of um, I think that a lot of that comes probably from his contentness at Celtic. Uh, from Cal McGregor, I think the argument for me has always been when, he, when you're that type of player that's obviously he's heralded at times, but often he can go under the radar despite things like 400 appearances, player of the year, everything he can do. At times, players like that that play in the midfield sometimes don't get the kudos they deserve. But you look at teams across the world, now for every superstar and uh, rising star, different type of players that make up a team, Cal McGregor would be vital to a whole host of teams across Europe. Uh, but I think it just speaks to who he is, what he wants. And maybe there was obviously talk a couple of years ago about Leicester and mm-hmm. I think that was an obvious fit at the time, you could make that link of with Brendan Rodgers, the great relationship the pair had, if he wanted to go and test himself, and you need to remember that was a Leicester team who lost out in the Champions League in consecutive seasons in the last day, won an FA Cup, mm-hmm. obviously they seem to be on the, the slide a bit now, but teams are like Eddie Howe at Newcastle, he's worked magic with players who had a good reputation, they seem to be working really well in the team, Um all across, you can go anywhere. That's the thing with Cal McGregor. He's um, a fantastic talent, um, and it's always. Yeah, I think back to Scotland at the Euros or just around that time, and Billy Gilmore's on the rise and all these players. But it's always McGregor. Always, unfashionable would be the wrong word, but he always finds a way at just proving to people his ability time and time again. And even when he came back for Celtic, that kind of Petrov esque goal-scoring streak at Notts County and you really pegged him as a, a really attacking midfielder but worked closely with Scott Brown honed his game and played multiple positions in midfield and I think Postacoglu does a good job of and I think it's his way of working of never being too heady in his praise of players but he, he can't really help it with Cal McGregor and his, his words at the weekend 
Uh, I just think reinforce his opinion on him and the wider football world's opinion. Uh, he's just a top class player, and um, he's obviously not going to silky skills every week, but he's just ability to read games, motivate other teammates. It's it's second to none, and that is along with Scott Brown, he's definitely the, the biggest factor of this kind of Celtic trophy era the last, well, from whenever it's been league titles, but those trebles and double trebles, uh, quadruple treble, every game, treble treble, quadruple treble, so, and then back more trophies now, It's he, he's just a, a top talent. He, I'm going to get stuck for this, um, but he's almost, to me, like he's, he's Celtic's in Scotland's version of Iniesta. Do you know what I mean? Just the way he carries the ball, he's so comfortable in the ball, I don't know. I, I think um, we should appreciate him a bit more, I think. Because like you say, he goes under the radar a lot. I just think he's a brilliant player. Oh, fantastic. He's, he is. That's that's obviously a, a kind of big, a big praise there. But I'm sure, I'm sure Celtic fans know the value of him. And it's, um, I, I think he is. I think by nature, that position, he's been playing deeper. Uh, but you really can. I think you got a, a feel of that in the Champions League, that in the El Madrid game. Obviously, cracked the bar um, inside of the post, but that's what he can still bring. But he, he sometimes almost gives some of that game a part of his game away to help the team. And um, I just he's just the best, isn't he? Like there's there's not really many players who compare to him. And when it's all said and done, trophies, appearances, st- standing within the fan base, you'll, you'll be right up there with all the kind of elite Celtic legend. So I think that's kind of the highest compliment that you can pay him. Uh, do you think Ross will be up there with um, the likes of Paul McStay? Um, I'm trying to think a little like even Billy McNeil, people like that. Yeah, definitely. He took the words out of my mouth there. Um, the fact that he's, he's, I don't know if he's maybe taken for granted. That's maybe the wrong word, but the fact that he's he's always there and so consistently doing a job, it's just maybe he's taken for granted. Oh, that's Callum McGregor. He's in there doing what Callum McGregor does. Um, you know, as Graham said, I mentioned Scott Brown. He kind of falls into that category of being. In with the bricks at Celtic, and that you're just used to seeing them there, used to seeing them succeed really. Um, Paul McStay didn't really have the trophies to go on with it. When you look at Scott Brown and Cal McGregor, it's been trophy after trophy, most in the same team, and he's kind of taken on the mantle now. Um, you know, as Graham said, the Leicester one maybe made sense a couple of years ago. Now, I don't see him leaving Celtic. I think he's he's kind of he's kind of filled, filled Scott Brown's, I was going to say, boots there. He's, he's literally filled his armband. That's been a pretty seamless transition, and he is. It's cliche, but he's, he's kind of a he's kind of a Mr. Celtic now. He's so important to them on the pitch, off the pitch. I think that's him. That's him set to stay for for the rest of his career now. And maybe once he finishes playing, that's when you'll we'll, we'll look back and you'll you'll really see it's worth. It's like you say, you know, artists and musicians after they die, <laughs> their, their value goes up. They're more appreciated. I'm not saying Cal McGregor, you know, that's gonna <laughs> he's, he's he's not long for this world. But when he hands up the boots, I think you'll look back and you definitely you'll be up there with the McStays, the Browns, and the the, the Billy McNeil's definitely. I think well, Billy McNeil's maybe on just on a, a level of his own, considering what what he did in the, the trophy left. And he's, he's got his own pedestal, aye. Yeah, but you know, certainly just under him will be it'd be Carl McGregor, it'll be Scott Brown, it'll be Paul McStay and guys like that. Aye, that's a good shout. I honestly think he could play for the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea. Maybe not quite the, the top Man City, Liverpool, but I honestly think he's, he's he's a brilliant player, and I think the rest of the Celtic sport will be. Um, We'll be happy to know that that Andrew's saying that he's not really interested in a move, and long may that continue. One of the stories we've had uh, on record spot today um, has been stuff about the European Super League. Now, there's been kind of quote unquote invites 
kind of put out all over the continent. There's talk of an 80-team setup. Um, stuff we've heard before, Graham, but I mean, from a Celtic point of view, I don't really know what to think of this. I don't know if it's something Celtic should really want. Is it something they should rally against? I mean, everyone thinks about the money angle. I, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah, it's European football's equivalent to Monorail like The Simpsons. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just nonsense. And the thing is, like, if you've been invested in this for a long time, like you know for a Celtic, for, for instance, Peter Law, um, he had a wide-ranging brief as chief executive, but a job that he continued was um, his role in the ECA, uh, which is the kind of club committee within UEFA. Um, and guys like himself and Edwin van der Sar at Ajax, like, there's been a real commitment for teams, like you would call the big teams outside the top five of the big five leagues, um, Benfica, Porto, PSV Ajax, Celtic, these type of clubs, Celtic Rangers, you've got all clubs um, that have got a real interest and keen eye on where this is going. And let's not kid ourselves, like Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona, the three kind of main uh, protagonists in this situation. And the idea that you see stuff as well with the, the kind of, it's, it's very... It's like campaign season in politics. It's all about grassroots football. It's nothing to do with that. It's mm-hmm. very simple. It's the English Premier League has a market or a, a hold in a way that no domestic league has ever had in football to this point. So you get things like NFL or NBA like who are market leaders. It's North American industry-leading sports. The Premier League's edging towards that in a way that no other domestic league. Now, I know we all admired Serie A in the nineties, but there was a more spread out. Um, it was it was far more equal across Europe. So right now, these big clubs are fearful. They're trying all their avenues to create the Super League. Now we know the English teams were on board previously, uh, but it was a chasing experience for those clubs. Uh, they've had to go back to the drawing board. They've got a big hat of PR agency involved now as well. So the idea that Celtic Rangers are valuable to UEFA and are valuable to um, the, the breakaway crew here. Uh, but the, the problem is, it is the invites is the equivalent of making up the numbers in the sense we need people to commit to this. But Celtic Rangers, by they know if they're if they're performing or um, making tracks in Europe, they'll always be part of the Champions League. Now, there'll be no major difference. You'd still have these really big super clubs at the top, um, but there's a a solidity, a guarantee that comes with UEFA, and then all these things. When you look at golf, PGA, PGA, and live, and there's more. There's more to live with all its faults than there is to uh, this in its current format. And I know there's an agitation. I want to get away from certain clubs uh, for whatever for a variety of reasons. But Celtic Rangers' real strength is in um, the safety of UEFA. Um, and that that will carry on. I, I think it would need to be some. It would be like a billionaire. This so this comes back up in a in a reimagined format today. If this gets knocked down, it'll come back up in six months a year. This is not going to stop. This is going to continue. Aye. But it's not built on solid foundations. It's just a twist to the latest. Now we know there's reforms coming to UEFA. Um, the change in the format, the, the Champions League, it's going to become a big. Uh, all it is going to become an actual, a literal league for the Champions League, uh, a different style of format. Um, the, the appeal of Celtic Rangers will be there for, for a long time because they're big names and they'll be other big clubs and they'll always be on the radar of teams trying to break away. But this this isn't feasible. It just isn't. 
isn't for the clubs that Celtic Rangers they'll make the right decisions for their club and to sign up to some kind of breakaway. It's not even it's worth discussing because it's happening and there's there's obviously a want and a desire for clubs like Celtic Rangers to make the move, but it'll be a long, long time before uh, a solid proposal uh, would be able to kind of woo teams like Celtic Rangers, who are like I pointed out, they've been tied into this kind of they're, they're switched on as any they are involved in this. This involves them, um, and it, I think UEFA is where it's at for Celtic Rangers, and it will be until something truly dramatic changes in the landscape of football. But for now, it's it's good story. It's very interesting. There's a lot of strands to it. Uh, but Celtic, I think, will continue to win the know and uh, continue on the UEFA path for a long time to come. Ross, I'm, I'm reading on the, on the Record Sport website just now about the proposal from uh, the European Super League, and it's 60 to 80 teams, multiple divisions, no permanent members, uh, and a minimum of 14 games uh, a club per season. Um, it's a bit, a bit different from the, the kind of closed shop that was mentioned a couple of years ago, but see, see from Celtic's point of view, they're probably not going to be in the, in the top division. And for me, would you really want to, I mean, would you really be that more interested in going to see Celtic play Olympiacos and Genk or whatever rather than Hibs and Hearts? For me, I don't really I don't really get it. No, and especially, you know, if they're playing those teams in the Champions League, you know what the kind of reward for, for being successful there, you know what you're striving towards, which is, you know, knockout rounds in the last 16. Not sure how that's going to work in this in this new format. And um, I know you say there's not going to be permanent members and things like that, but we've, we've heard this before. I think you'd be essentially because swapping one closed shop for another rebranded uh, closed shop. Interesting that Graham mentioned Peter Wall's involvement in the European Club Association. Um, also, record sport being across this story, they've issued a pretty stinging response to this, basically describing the you know is it the, the agency's proposals as agency twenty two. Uh, as the the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood, we've heard this all before. We've moved on. Maybe they should too. I think that says it all. Um, I think Celtic know they're with their bread's buttered with UEFA, and there's also you know thinking further down the line, any clubs that are a bit quick to you know throw their lot in with this this new uh, this new new proposal. I don't think UEFA would take too kindly to it. I think there'll be a reluctance from Celtic and I suppose Rangers to to kind of commit too far one way without knowing what the potential reprisals from UEFA would be. Mm. Um, as I said, it's, it's not as if they can really afford to dismiss the Champions League as a format. That's where, the, that's where they aim to be every season. It's such a big thing for them financially. Um, it, it's, it's good, but it works for them and it works for UEFA just now. So mm. discarding that to go and chase something as great, like I said, it seems to be built on sand just now, would be very, very risky. It reminds me a wee bit um, of that bit in Alan Partridge where he... He wants the new car and he says, they've rebadged it, you fool. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Uh, no, well, Dad and Ross, is just the, the, the biggest selling point for Celtic Rangers was always joining the Premier League. And that's yeah. understandable. You're two gigantic football clubs so close to the biggest league in the world. They appeal that age-old, um, the, the kind of English verdict on Celtic Rangers or... It's almost like a chicken and chicken in the egg situation where it's like, oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to stay up in the English Premier League where Celtic Rangers fans would rightly turn back and say, well, if we had the budget of the teams in the league, there's that local rivalry. This this is nothing like that. Now you yeah. remember Celtic Rangers back in the Champions League together for the first time in a long time last year. Obviously, the, between the two clubs, there was, wasn't a victory, right? But 
the element, there's a safety in UEFA, there's a guarantee, and as you pointed out there, Ross, uh, any renegades would be uh, probably harshly dealt with in this scenario. And that's the thing as well, it's the act, it's not the act of strength, that's the issue. Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona are not acting. Barcelona, we know their money issues. Juventus have got a Netflix documentary of problems, and Real Madrid know that their domination is hinged on the amount they're able to spend, so they're always trying to um, agitate and look at new avenues, and that's not, Celtic Rangers will be halfway asked and wooed and other clubs like Benfica, Porto, the clubs have mentioned, these type of clubs, these long-standing traditional kind of European staying power clubs will always be sought after on both sides, but Celtic, specifically Celtic, um, I think as a club now, there's always going to be criticism, they specialise in due diligence and um, a careful way of working and I think that would stand the, the domination trophies over the last period, I think they've been really uh, excellent selling, they've really allowed Ange Postacoglu to do his business his way, uh, these things aren't by accident and suddenly jumped into bed with some um, reimagined breakaway league just doesn't fit the way the club works um, and as we say about Peter Law um, his understanding the situation is greater than probably the public's or will be because he's been so close to it for so long he'll probably know the next move before it comes and that'll be relayed to board members across the clubs that fit that criteria so um, there'll always be this kind of movement but I think as we touched upon there it's it's a definite non-starter I, I guess it's watch this space um, and we'll, we'll follow the story closely in record sport um, elsewhere um, the Jack and Marcus transfer finally came to an end. It was a saga that was running and running. Um, but Ross, 22 goals in 26 starts. It's an amazing record. And I mean, I'm I'm sad to see him go from Celtic. And I think he will. I mean, oh, you know, looks like a really promising player. And I, you know, I'm excited to see him play more. But I think it's going to be really hard to to replace Jack and Marcus. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can't argue with stats. But I think more than that, he gave some Celtic something a bit different. To what they have up front, um, you know, he, he could provide a focal point. He will go and leave a bit on defenders. He'll throw his weight around, which isn't Kyogo's game. And if it was the, the real occasions, it hasn't really worked for Ange Postecoglou when he's gone with Plan A. Jack Marcus was a more than decent Plan B. Um, whether they signed a, a like-for-like replacement, and oh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think he'll be a bit different. But as you said, I think it, the kind of writing was on the wall when we reported in record support in January that contract talks had, uh, had broken down. But the sounds of it reading between the lines, I don't think Jack and Max is kind of, I don't know if his attitude, but maybe his influence and the effect that was having the collective really would really impress as possible. And I think from that point onwards, it was, uh, right, let's get get him out the door when we can and we, we move on and we, we go with somebody different. Um, I suppose I've got a decent bit of money in for him. Uh, the fact that he's gone to MLS you would have thought there would have been had a few takers, maybe even from down south or, mm-hmm. or Europe might have raised a, a few eyebrows, but uh, I think there was one Celtic probably happy to cut their losses on. Uh, Graham, I know you were a big fan of uh, Jackie Marcus. We've talked about it in the pod a few times, but I thought there was definitely um, a difference between the way Ange spoke about Juranovic leaving and Jackie Marcus. Juranovic, he said, look, it's an opportunity he wants to explore, and I don't blame him. I wish him all the best. With Jack and Marcus, it was, well, just keep an eye on Instagram. You'll see when it's done, you know, with a little kind of spiky remark. Definitely feels like there was a, a breakdown somewhere along the way. Yeah, I think that would be fair. And 
I think just quick to note before I'll answer that directly, just about Giacomacchus, the player Ross touched upon, it, he really was something different. And I know you can tell, like, I think Chris Sutton would be quite a good um, eye for what makes a Celtic striker. He was always a big fan. That The, the power, the pace. Of, with Kyogo, I think that needs to be mentioned. Kyogo didn't play from um, December Boxing Day against St. Johnson all the way. Basically, he was still getting his fitness towards the end of last season. Jackie Marcus's uh, goal input in those games that they took the couple of hat tricks, the ability to kind of lead the line, really physical. Celtic needed that at the time. Uh, cannot be understated. They played a mammoth part in mm. uh, the tight win last year. But as you say, I totally agree. There's, you can just tell when they look at Jackie Marcus's career trajectory. I think there was probably a buyer's beware element when you, you sign the any division top scorer. Uh, you think, well, sometimes things might be too good to be true, but he wasn't. He was. He actually, I think there was a lot of cynicism when he signed. There was maybe a feeling that oh, the Dutch league at times can um, lead to some maybe uh, transfer missteps. But he was brilliant. Um, so he came in, everything was going well. But you can see, like, he just by his career, the way it's gone from his career so far that. As good as he is, of all his talent, he's not, you know, he just, his kind of nomadic, nomadic existence now isn't really a shock. I think there'll always be another challenge for him. Uh, he's always maybe looking for more, so maybe he's getting a better deal in Atlanta and he's scoring goals there, but there might be a temptation in a year's time to go to Europe again. I think the players at Celtic, I think Postacoglu's got a great sense of that. I think he knows exactly what he needs in his dressing room. And as you made the point, Juranovic, I think with Juranovic, like, uh, Berlin are they're in, the, they're in the Bundesliga title race. Um, I think there was always that knack of selling at the right time. Both probably similar age profiles, but I think maybe Jack and Marcus in a perfect world would have been able to see out the two seasons in terms of potentially with Juranovic maybe sometimes you maybe need to sell one in the winter and he was that was maybe his time and I think he may have, he may have approached it slightly differently in terms of the club, who, who, who can say for definite, but I could definitely make the point, he was, Postacoglu uh, spoke very warmly of um, of Juranovic's impact in the dressing room and obviously it was a different answer, but probably tomorrow to be fair, uh, or sorry on Friday when he's, he's speaking, Postacoglu probably be quick to pay Jack and Mark as a tribute, but you are right with it mentioned on Instagram and I think he's a different he's more than just a social media striker but he definitely a different profile the way Juranovic maybe kind of goes about his business so um, I think there'll be a lot of fond memories um, mm-hmm. I think before the story broke that he was record sports story I, I think few would have predicted Jackie Marcus leaving in January uh, he was a vital player just he's just a good striker like nice. and he's suited that's the thing that's maybe the beauty of the way Postacoglu plays that Sometimes it's Hatati playing these balls and Kyogo was spinning in. But when Jack Marcus is playing, it's all about getting fullbacks to the byline, crosses in. That's you talk about sometimes it's this idea that Postacoglu plays one way, but must be watching a different Celtic to me because I think they adapt to the players that are in the team. When it's Moy that's playing, there's just sometimes a directness when Moy's playing the now. I think that was similar with Jack Marcus. Um, uh, just everything kind of you, you kind of fall through him a bit more. Uh, some Celtic fans quite enjoyed that. I think I think there's maybe a style of just a kind maybe a kind of throwback to that in the old team at times, like good balls into the box early. Uh, but uh, he was definitely a talent. and um, But I, I think it seems the right call for everyone. Oh, already looks like he's settling in. I think Pulse touched on it there, that he's slightly different style of striker. I think he's good in the air, but I think, again, he would probably like it. And he's happy to drift wide. Jack and Marcus never, would never do that. So uh, different types and um, a pretty exciting time. But to answer your original point there in the first place, I think Jack and Marcus... 
plenty of success, but there was definitely something that made it the right call to move on. Um, mm. Obviously, going with Juranovic as well, it's um, it's a it's a, a bit upheaval for January, but Celtic seem dab hands at kind of mastering the market and moving on quickly. Aye, I'm sure he'll bangles in in the MLS anyway. But uh, right before before we wrap up this week's podcast, guys, have a look ahead to the weekend. Obviously, Celtic are back in cup action uh, at home to St Mirren or on Saturday night. Um, you mentioned, well, obviously we talked about Jack Mack has been at something of a, a crossroads in his career. Another player like that, Ross, um, is David Turnbull. Um, and this is a game that you'd, you'd expect a couple of, or a few of the fringe players to get a look in. Turnbull, he's been brilliant coming off the bench recently. And I just, I, I kind of feel like he's too big a talent, really, to be on the bench every week. Yeah, because you can definitely see the argument there. Um, I suppose there's not much more he can really do himself to try and force his way in. You know, we talked about Cal McVeigh earlier, but Rio Tati in that midfield. Aaron Moyes can really come on a game. He's keeping uh, Matt O'Reilly out of the team. It's a difficult, difficult midfield to get into. And David Turnbull must be thinking, well, assuming he's doing well in training to, to keep getting into squads. He's coming off the bench. He's, he's making an impact in games. He's, he's scoring goals. It might get to a point where he thinks, well, I'm, I'm doing all I can. It's not happening for me here. Maybe I need to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, where does he go? I don't think anyone else in Scotland would take him. Um, well, sorry, I, they would definitely take him. I don't think they'd be able to get him. I think no. down south is much more likely because he, he's got his Scotland Scotland career to think of as well because mm-hmm. he's uh, he's certainly a type of midfielder in Scotland. We don't have a lot of them. Um, he's different to John McGinn, for example. Different, very different kind of physical style as well. But if he's not playing for Celtic regularly, you can't really expect him to be playing for Scotland and. I think you're right. It comes to it's going to come, come to a point where he's well, I'm happy being a kind of bit part player and contributing now and again to Celtic or, or to go as well and really, really try and kick on. And then the kind of financial argument comes into it: Do Celtic want to let him go? What would they ask for? And what, what's his level going to be down south? Is it is it Premier League? It's kind of hard to say that when he's not established himself up here. Mm-hmm. Is it higher end Championship and looking to get into the Premier League through through that route? So is um, I think he'll certainly come a point to have a decision to make. Um, it's how long he can stick it out and. And kind of be happy and try and make himself, you know, somewhat anti-possible. Can't can't ignore. He's. Uh, by the way, I should say I wasn't saying that he should play ahead of Moy, Atati, mm-hmm. or, or McGregor, uh, Graham. But what I mean is, it's as Ross says, it's really hard to get into the midfield, and he's only twenty-three. He's got a year left in his contract. I just think he might be looking elsewhere in the summer. I think I think that would be fair for multiple reasons. Celtic, for all their injury problems last year, have been pretty healthy all season. That's been a big thing. And I think this game's so interesting for that fact that Haksabanovic, um, Bernabai, Kobayashi, Awata, there's endless players. Matt Riley even, I know he's been playing probably more than the other players in the fringes uh, recently. But there's a lot of decisions to make. The Celtic... Say they're going for the treble. Let's make no, they go for the treble every season, but they're, they're in a final. They're hot, hot favourites of the league, and they're, they're trying to get a quarter final of the Scottish Cup. So that makes sense. But the opportunities for players to play is um, is less. Like, I know in European football as well. That's not there. So there's like a few less games in terms of that after the after Christmas. So there's some big decisions actually, just in terms of minutes, like um, for Saturday. But you just imagine Celtic. Produce a strong team against Morton, like McGregor, 
Kyogo. There'll be chances in the second half to maybe change things are going well. Turnbull would be in that mix. Um, so there's a lot of big questions, especially Turnbull. As a hard one, this is where it's quite obvious you'd go, oh, he's he's an important player. Why would he? But his age, his profile, minutes are vital as well. And as much as he comes on, scores goals, he doesn't, he's not playing week in, week out. That's the fundamental truth. And he hasn't probably since the injury just in the first half of last season, the second half of last season into this. He's not been a regular starter. Now he's, he can often change, tweak a game for the bench. He's long ball striking is just elite, isn't it? That's kind of his calling card, but he's got a lot about his game as well. His set pieces can be a hit and miss at times, but when he's on, he's, he's very useful there as well in terms of corners and free kicks into the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think right now, I think he would seem an obvious candidate. If you're picking one player for that team, he may be I think it would again. We talked about Juranovic going with best wishes. If he did go, and was Postecoglou at the AGM, he's crystal clear about players moving moving on. That's the way it'll work. And maybe Turnbull for him going into next season as well. Celtic seem to be looking for more. So if they're already looking to strengthen the team. But David Turnbull's not getting regular minutes now. There'd be no obvious reason why he'd suddenly get more minutes next season. Mm. Uh, but that's not to downplay him. Or um, this is probably the strongest squad and depth what Celtic have had in a long, long time. I mean, six, seven, eight, nine players off the bench that are all starting material players, so there's no criticism of David Turnbull not starting. Uh, but I think that would be logical. Again, it depends. Who knows? He could start on Saturday, score two, score two the next weekend, change every You know, and I think Celtic are set up like that. Everyone goes on about Manchester City. And the, the biggest comparison I see to Man City with Celtic is, you know, that great trade Man City have had where one season, five guys are the main guys. It'll be Gundogan and uh, Kinsella. Then the next season, it's Aki's one of the best players. Or like mm-hmm. John Jones. The Celtic seem to be built like that in terms of Jota can be on a run of 10 games when he's on form. Then it's a badder. Then it's, it's it just switches constantly. Who's the guy in form? But there's such a, I think, a competitive nature within the squad that sets that up. And Turnbull, at times, has been really, really important. And I think he, he can be again. You're trying to tell me right now in the fortnight's time, there's one each in the cup final, he comes on 80 minutes and he gets a chance. He's, he's that quality. like. But mm-hmm. maybe long term for him, he would be looking to play those I think players with the markers went in games at 40, 45 games a season, playing 70 plus minutes in those games. I think he's at that stage in his career. And like, if you're going to ask me anyone that squad right now who looks most likely to go lend a contract and uh, current setup, then it would be David Turnbull. But again, I think a lot of Celtic fans rightly are, are big admirers. The high point of the, one of the worst seasons in recent memory um, when the 10 didn't happen. And since then, he was, he was really, really important last season for Ange as well. Really important. Um, him, Rogic, McGregor in that midfield in the first half of the season because the squad was threadbare. They stayed in the title race, they got stronger and won the league. Um, so I, if it was his time to go in the summer, he would be definitely with plenty of good memories. But uh, I think Saturday is interesting for him. If he doesn't start there, probably not starting against Aberdeen, not starting against Rangers. Then you're into a new month, international break coming up after that. It's 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 just a kind of that is this modern this is this the current Celtic team that it's uber competitive to get in and start in eleven and then when you're there you need to do plenty with it. Mm-hmm. Guys, I could talk to you all day. This is my favourite t- time of the week, uh, but I think I have to bring an end, bring the curtain down on this week's record Celtic podcast. I should say, if you want to uh, get involved in the discussion and, and keep up to date with the stories we've been talking about, you can do so um, at record under slash sport on Twitter and at daily record under slash sport on Instagram. Guys, thanks very much. 
Thank you, Daniel. And we'll be back next week. Cheers.